Jesus gets me into heaven, but the Holy Spirit gets me through life. And I want to talk to you today about how God turns turmoil into triumph. Thank you for joining the Bryce Harper Podcast. Um, a good start envisions the end result. This is Bryce Harper, and I want to share with you um, in this episode out of the book of Joel. Right now, here in the October of 2023, um, I, I have the honor and privilege and joy and every so often struggle of being a lead pastor, uh, but being a lead pastor of a great, amazing church, uh, Murfreesboro Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 3045 Memorial Boulevard. Come hang out, check us out, be with us. Um, and uh, Sunday's at 10, Wednesday's at 6.30. lot of great things going on, full of amazing people. And um, so we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, so this is part two. I want to talk out of the book of Joel. I, I, in our pneumatology, whatever that we have in place for our pneumatology, which is just a great, fancy, beautiful word for our study of the Holy Spirit. We have to obviously look at the whole Bible. You can't just look at Acts 2 and and Galatians and the fruit of the Spirit or in Corinthians, the gifts of the Spirit, which I'm afraid in, in, in our Western evangelical charismania um, upbringings as it pertains to pneumatology and pertains into churches that really are Pentecostal. Um, we tend to not be so holistic in our approach of, of studying the Holy Spirit. And so I began um, talking even about Samson in part one. And I want to talk to you out of Joel because Joel is just this beautiful, beautiful written book in the Bible. I think one of the most well-worded scholars would say this as well, um, that that Joel is the most well-worded book in the Old Testament. So the title today is How God Turns Turmoil into Triumph. You have major prophets in the in the Old Testament. You have minor prophets. Joel is one of those minor prophets, but it's not minor in the sense of less than. It's, it is given that title minor because it is a smaller book. So Joel is three chapters, um, and Joel is a, is a prophet. Uh, prophets in the Bible, um, I think, are often interpreted as fortune tellers, uh, people who predict the future. Um, that's part of what they do, but it's not the primary purpose of what they do. Um, these are people who are Israelites, who had powerful encounters with God, um, then sent by God to communicate that message on behalf of God. So prophets care deeply about what God said and were determined to partner with divine to partner with that like divine direction to the hearts of humanity, to the people of God. Uh, often it was to remind God's people um, they had broken covenant, um, understanding their current demise and, and, and future days to come. Um, unfortunately, prophets nowadays try to predict storms, lottery numbers, and, and elections, but prophets in the, in the Bible shared God's words, gave covenantal corrections, and spiritual direction. Uh, so Joel was a prophet to the house of Judah, southern Israel, um, which was so crazy preparing for this. Like I sent my notes in Wednesday, Wednesday here at the church, uh, last Wednesday, we um, we take the first Wednesday and we pray. Uh, we we pray over different things. Uh, going into 
this October first Wednesday prayer meeting, we decided to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, peace of Israel, and and uh, we had no idea what was going to unfold uh, in the next forty eight seventy two hours, and what's continuing to unfold in Israel, as um, there has been just an onslaught um, from Hamas out of Gaza, and and um, yeah, it's just so terrible um, and gut-wrenching and just heartaching to see um, just the reports and the numbers continue to increase. And um, yeah, so I'm preparing for this. I sent my notes in the Wednesday before. And um, yeah, so here I am Sunday preaching out of the book of Joel in the midst of all this. Um, again, as you think about the book of Joel, I just want to give you some just quick, um, just, I want you to read it. I want you to read it from, from beginning to end. And I'm just going to give you some themes and some things that jumped out to me. So special features, um, just like some themes that we see in the book. Lo- we, we see this locust invasion, devastation, decay, um, a dark army, day of the Lord, outpouring of God's spirit, judgment and blessing. There's some themes in the book of Joel. Purpose is to inform Israel that the judgment can get worse. Repent because God is merciful. Um, special features, the imagery and structuring of the book of Joel makes it one of the most well-worded pieces of literature in the Old Testament. It contains the most insightful Old Testament prophecy about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all mankind. So if we are going to talk about and believe in Acts 2 in the upper room, and they were gathered together in one accord, you know, and then the sound of a rushing. We, ha- we have to go back to the prophecy of that. And um, it's, it's really incredible when you think about that connection and how Peter, um, after all this, is saying, hey, this is the fulfillment of, of this prophecy from Joel. It's just so incredible. Um, Joel, um, some scholars... Um, not all, but some believe that there is a possibility that Joel was a priest, um, that there's a possibility that he was a Levite, um, and that he had this, you know, priestly, um, duty in his life. Um, not your Libre would say, um, you know, he, he needs some priestly duties. Um, uh, so, uh, if you're not a fan of Nacho Libre, uh, we're, we're, our, our relationship can only be so deep because I, I, I love, um, the priest, the rabbi, Nacho Libre. Um, but so Joel and some, and some studies and, and some of these scholars think that's a possibility with that. It just gave me just, I, just some, just some theories, right? What, what would it mean to be a a priestly prophet. What would it mean to be a prophetic priest? You know, um, as a priest was somebody who was hosting God's presence, right? Working in the temple, things of, things like that. And a prophet was somebody who was, you know, delivering the message of God for right now, for the future, giving correction and direction. Um, so with that, I, I think we need to be like that. I think we need to be like Joel in that regard. Uh, we, we need to be people who host God's presence, uh, people who have had an encounter with God and delivering the message of God given to us for God's people. Simply put, the best pastors are prophetic and the best prophets are pastoral. Right? I mean, like these 
YouTube prophets who is condemning anything and everything um, um, with zero love, with zero compassion, with zero care um, is not the way. What is the way? I think, it, I think it's pastors being prophetic. I think it's prophets being pastoral. I think um, there's something there for us to learn from. Um, and I think, you know, people of vision produce leaders of God as, as Joel, his name was, Joel's name means Yahweh is God. He was a son of Pethuel, which means man of vision. So people of vision produce leaders for God and leaders of God will lead leaders in all arenas of life. And so can we as people, as Christians, are we seeing further than what our life can accomplish? Can we see beyond our lifespan? Are we hosting the presence of God um, in our lives, in, our, in the arena that God has us in? Uh, let's be the godly leader that God has designed us to be so that we can influence the leaders of the known world. Um, so Joel gets everybody guys says, verse 2, Joel 1, verse 2, Hey, hear this, you leaders of the people, listen all who in the land and all your history has anything like this ever happened. So Joel gets everybody's attention. It's like, hey, has this ever happened before? Yeah, it has happened. Talking about this locust, pre- this devastation. Yeah, it happened, you know. And even though Joel doesn't get into defining specific sin, he's very quick to call out, like, basically, like, how is it working for you? Like, how is this going? I think Joel would say that to us now. I think he would say that to the nations of the world. I think he would say it to America. I think he would say it to a lot of nations in the world. Like, how is it, how's it, how's it going not being connected to me and not and not walking in covenant with me and not honoring uh, my precepts and and um, walking in alignment to my word and um, I love it that Joel kind of brings that question before them like has anything like this ever happened before he's essentially saying like look inward of what's going on verse three he says you know tell your children about it in years to come and tell their children pass the story on from generation to generation like we need to be teaching the next generation why things are happening the way they're happening even if we as parents as those who are leading are wrong and we have messed up and we have sinned and um, he talks about weeping there in the first chapter. In verse 14, he's announcing a time of fasting. He's calling the people together for solemn meaning, bring the leaders, all the people of the land, into the temple and cry out to me there. So he calls a fast. He tells everybody to get together. And, and, and it's, now it's time to cry out to God. Friend, like, aren't spiritual disciplines of, of like fasting and prayer and gathering together and worshiping and praying and adhering to God's word. Like, it's not just like some just lighthearted thing. These are things that God has established for us that get us on the right track in life. Joel is giving this message like do all this because the day of the Lord is near and the day when destruction comes from the Almighty, how terrible that day will be. Our food disappears before our very eyes. No joyful celebrations are held in the house of the Lord. It talks about all this and we get to this place where there's just misery. Even, you know, the animals are miserable because there's nothing to eat. Um, and how we begin to cry out, Lord, help us in the midst of all this. So chapter one, real quickly, a summary is leaders and everyone listen. So take personal and national inventory of how we got here and begin to tell the next generation, the next generation about this. 
And priests and ministers lament. Right? There, was, there was this mourning. Uh, there was this fasting, fellowship, and, and fervent prayer. Uh, and then in Joel chapter 2, there's just like, it's the day of the Lord. It's, it's, a, it's an awesome, terrible day. Uh, who can possibly survive it? So then the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to, you, to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Who knows? Verse 14 in Joel 2, perhaps he will give you a re. Perhaps he will give you a blessing instead of a curse. Perhaps you'll be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord God as before. So don't just rend your clothes, but rend your hearts. Don't just like do the physical action of crying, but allow your heart to be transformed. And then in all this, let them pray, spare us, God. Don't let your special possession become an object of mockery. Don't let them become a joker of unbelief for unbelieving foreigners who say, has the God of Israel left them? Then the Lord will pity you. So in all of this, things begin to shift real quickly when we return to God, when we repent. God begins to restore. So I'm going to give you a bunch of R's out of all of this, right? When we return, when we repent, God restores and there is just protection and providence that flows from prayer and petitioning God. Like when you don't have anything else but prayer unto God, you're in a good place. That's when things begin to change. So there's like a three-phase process, I believe, that comes with spiritual restoration. We got to gather together. We got to pray to God. We got to repent of sins. That's when the transformation in our attitude begins. That We begin to admit sins. We begin to move forward in following God. We begin to write down what God's message is to us. You know, what, what is he saying? What is he telling us to do? Uh, there's going to be blessing in that. There's going to be restoration in that. There's going to be future hope because of that. Uh, and then we get into Joel, into Joel 2, right? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So chapter 2, real quickly, just a summary, right? When we fear God, that leads to intuition, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is a chapter 2 summary. So fear of God leads to intuition. Fear of God is beginning of wisdom. Point number two is repentance to God leads to restoration. So we fear God, we return to Him, we repent, there's restoration. And the third thing is that is when the outpouring of God's Spirit leads to demonstration, right? My sons and daughters will prophesy. So there's a demonstration that begins to take place. But when we're going to talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, if you're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, you got to talk about returning, you got to talk about repenting, you got to talk about how God begins restoring. There comes rejoicing in that, right? Like, look how good God is. He's merciful. He's slow to get angry. And, and, and then God releases us. Then sons and daughters begin to prophesy. And then in Joel chapter 3, verses 1 through 16, God will confront evil among all nations. And we see connections in Isaiah 13, Zephaniah 3, Ezekiel 38 and 39. Verse 17 through 21, there's renewal of all creation. We see this connection with Isaiah 35, Ezekiel chapter 47, and Zechariah chapter 14. And then you get to Joel 3, 17. And then you will know that I, the Lord your God, live in Zion, my holy mountain. Jerusalem will be holy forever. Foreign armies will never conquer her again. Like I wrote all this down on Wednesday before all this stuff was going on in Israel. And now, as of today, as I'm recording this, there was reports of you know, focus attack on Jerusalem. But Joel 3.17 says, 
Joel 3.17 says, Jerusalem will be holy forever, and foreign armies will never conquer her again. So from Joel 2.28, from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, all the way to Joel 3.21, there's three things we see, three, three amazing things. God will fill his people. That's his promise. God will fight for his people, his protection. And God will fulfill all creation. That is the purpose of God. And just main takeaways from the book of Joel, sin is brutal and barbaric. All right, There's devastation, there's death and decay when we live in sin, when we live outside of the will of God. Second thing is God is mighty and merciful. All right, so that when we return, when we repent, there's restoration. And the third thing is evil is removed and Eden is restored. We find rejo- rejoicing, releasing, and God allowing us to run again. And, and, and so our relationship, our pneumatology, so just our study of the Holy Spirit, our relationship with the Holy Spirit is a lifelong generational journey of returning, repenting, God restoring us, rejoicing, and then God releasing us to be who he's called us to be in the earth. That is a very quick snapshot snapshot of Joel. Man, go back and read it. Come back to the podcast or listen through as you're reading it. Hope it's been a blessing to you. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Don't ever forget a good start envisions the end result.